You are listening to Drop Tent Media Network. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast. With Che Guerrero. The you winds really change talk. in one direction. They got to harass someone else. I get it. I get exactly. it. Like, people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Hey, welcome to another episode of my undocumented ass podcast. Today we got uh, a really, really emotional, interesting episode. Uh, I talked to Perla Nava. She talks about coming from Mexico with a family while having cerebral palsy, how difficult that was when first arriving, living in a homeless shelter and all the things she has to go through to now be an independent entrepreneur. The story is amazing. It's incredible. And it's a journey that we don't get to hear a lot. So please uh, stick around. You're going to love this. Check it out. Yeah, we're hitting. Ah, we're recording now. We're good. Okay, Thank you. Talking here to Perla. What's the last name? Nava. Perla Nava. Uh, somebody that yes. actually met on TikTok and and uh, approached me about want to share uh, your experience. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Let, let's just start there. I always like to start like just, you know, <laughs> tell me a little bit about you and like you know where you came from and stuff, and, and we'll go from there. Okay, uh, so my name is Perla Nava. I'm 33 years old, um, and I'm originally from Saltillo, Coahuila, Mexico. Okay. And, I mean, I guess a little bit of my background. Uh, I came here when I was seven years old mm-hmm. with my brother and my mom. Uh, at the time, my, bro- my dad was already here. Okay. The reason for us moving over here was because I was born with cerebral palsy. Okay. And so my walking is a little difficult for me and like it's a neuromuscular disorder right and so my parents actually both went to college and they were both had really good paying jobs um but it was not enough to cover the surgeries and the treatments that i needed in mexico it was really expensive the treatments that i still get up to now in mexico they're just way really expensive and before then they were still experimental at the time oh wow yeah and so that was the whole reason why we moved here my dad had heard that they did operations for children uh, with cerebral palsy for free here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, yeah, so my dad came over here and got a, um, was kind of got a job and all of that. And um, me and my mom and my brother actually crossed the desert and we actually had a very difficult time even crossing the desert, even getting, you know, to be able to do that because she was a, a single lady with two kids, right? And yeah. so nobody wanted to cross us. Yeah. We were there for, oh. we, yeah, go ahead. And especially with your situation, nobody mm-hmm. really, right. Because, you know, and that's something that we wanted to talk about, and I didn't want to just jump in. So thank you so much for sharing that already. Yeah. But not a lot of people talk about, you know, you know, the undocumented and people who come here with, like, disabilities, and that's something that's always, like, kept out. So, mm-hmm. that, wow, the fact that your parents literally yeah. did this whole thing for your medical care. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. insane. Um. So you saying your you your mom and your brother were like all living in Mexico and your dad was already here? Yes, my dad had already been here for a month. Oh, and that was the plan. Yeah, he was like, I'm gonna go get established so then we can mm-hmm. come for Perla because literally he was just like searching uh, medical procedures for you. Yeah, that was, that was wow, man. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just like so touched already that like, you know, wow, you hear so many things like so many parents come for different reasons. They're like, no, we're coming for our child's health care specifically. And, and yes, and, like and nobody went to help you guys cross. Nobody. So we were we actually had to live in a hotel for a month. We were in Agua Preta, Sonora. Okay. Because first of all, they didn't want to cross us because she had two kids, my mom. 
And then they found mm-hmm. out that I couldn't walk really more than a couple of steps. At the time, I had no surgeries done. I really couldn't walk more than a few steps. And nobody wanted to cross us. And there was this guy, and I will never forget this guy ever in my life because thanks to him, I'm here. Um, he talked to my mom and he said, I saw your daughter and she has a similar problem that my daughter has. But my daughter has it to a way worse degree. My daughter is a vegetable. She cannot walk. She cannot talk. She can't give me any sort of affection the way your daughter does. And so in the name of my daughter, I'm going to cross you and your, I'm going to help you guys cross. This man literally carried me for three days. And I will never forget that. I will never forget that. And hopefully one day, you know, this comes out or somewhere, somehow, you know, he knows me and he remembers me this was when in february 1996 and we crossed to douglas arizona that was finally how we were able to cross thanks to this guy saying hey i'm going to take responsibility for this lady and her children and i'm going to carry this girl all the way to our destination wow wherever that guy is god bless his heart man yeah there's you never know Mm -hmm. people are going to come across and and how you know what they're going through well yeah oh my gosh that's on how many how long did it take you you said like three days he had to carry you three days yeah it was really really difficult i mean i have you very remember vague all memories. of that oh, I was gonna say, how I rem- much you remember yeah uh, how much i remember this is when, when my mom has told me what i actually remember from being there is very traumatic um i remember we have been walking for a long time and everybody's just like la migra la migra and I remember lots of times, like, we just go down on the floor and just stay quiet and just let them pass. You know, we would hide in the bushes, in the, in abajo, donde estaba, like, the, uh, no sé, like, the growth. Yeah. And I, I remember that. I remember them flashing with their their flashlights. I mean, this was like, if, they, if we wouldn't have made it, I don't think we would have gotten a second chance, to be no, honest. No, I, I, you know, I... I read a book, The Distance Between Us, you know, and and in a Reina Grande, you know, you know, Abel had to do it four times. And by the fourth time, she was like, I don't think I could I could have done it one more time. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it really is. It really is. I, 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 you know, I'm fortunate enough that I'm a visa overstay. So I flew here. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't I didn't have to walk, but I could just I cannot imagine, especially seven. And yeah, I was seven. My little condition. brother was six. Mm-hmm. And uh Wow. Does your, your little brother, does he also have or uh, any kind of issues or is he? No, he's he's fine. Thank God. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was traumatizing. I remember one of the, to one point, like I saw my mom and, and she couldn't she had all these jackets on, you know, because she didn't know. Like we literally had nothing over here. Like my yeah. dad had barely gone established. Uh, we sold everything. My parents sold everything. And um, I remember her like passing out. And I was terrified. I, she just kept saying, I will never forget this. Like, I still get emotional, like, just thinking about it. Like, she was like, just leave me here, you know? Um, just take my kids. And uh, I still remember that. Um, I really thought for a point that my mom wasn't going to make it at some point, you know? Like, and you're little, and you're seeing all of this happen, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, it was very, it was very traumatizing. Um, they took off all her jackets and they were like trying to get her to wake up and respond and it took her a minute, but she got back up, they got her some water and we continued to our journey and it yeah. was, it was hard. Uh, there's, those are the pieces that I remember the most dramatic pieces to be honest, yeah. which is, sucks, but I no, mean, those I'm are like your out. first memories as a kid, you know, and, and, and the kind of struggle you had to go through and, you know, I'm, 
oh my god i'm listening to you know just doing this and, and doing all the stuff just listening to more and more of these stories and i was actually talking to my buddy jesse uh just about this about how like it, it's it's a little unrelated to yours but just you know what what people are in new york city are angry at the migrants out there for not being grateful for being here and mm-hmm. i'm like do you understand how much stuff they have to go through? Who, uh, listen, I, I don't know what you would you my, my thing is like I, I'm I'm a I'm an agent of chaos. Do you know what I mean? I think the United States deserve to be destroyed, and mm-hmm. I think you know it, the things that migrants go through to get here. I think at, at once they cross the finish line, if they're not grateful to be here, I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? If they want to knock some some trash cans over because everything the migra put them through and stuff like that, and burn a few you know you know cars. I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, the no, kind of trauma that they put us through and then they expect us to get here and be thankful because now we have a work permit and a green card or whatever. Go fuck yourselves. These no, are the no. stories that they put us through. Yeah, absolutely. There was no way, you know, and even though my parents worked, my, my mom worked for the government in Mexico. Yeah. And there was still no way that we would have been able to get a freaking visa and come over here. My dad was an accountant. They both went to college. That's another thing, you too. Know? People like, People are like, how are these migrants have money when they came here right away? I'm like, because they were professionals in their countries, you assholes. Exactly. That's how these people come here with like, you know, nice shoes. Not because they're stealing, because they were doctors in their countries. And now they're a little mad that they don't get to be anything here. That they have to start from oh, the yeah. bottom. Absolutely. My mom still to this day, she was like, it was real so difficult for me to work in the government in not very good positions and come here and have to scrub toilets. Yeah. You know, literally. And, and you know, it, it, of course, you think God, like years passed, you know, and I, when we even got here, man, we really thought that my dad had an apartment. No, we lived in a homeless shelter for three months. So my mom, my dad and my my me and my sibling, we lived in a homeless shelter for three months after that. And it was so hard. I mean, I remember that like, they were like espuljándonos um, por piojos and everything because they're like, why don't you guys have lives, you know? And we're like, well, it's because we don't come from the street, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We literally just start from nothing. You know, and, and wow, and you, wow, you guys have to go to a homeless shelter. Listen, n- listen, just, I'm just like, this is hitting me so much harder because I, I have two sons with autism. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and it's it's very difficult to manage them. It's very difficult to, to give them the love they need in the best of situations. I just, I just, I, your parents have such amazing determination and love that they did all this with you and your brother in mind, like wholeheartedly. That's, that's incredible. God yeah. bless them. Are they Seriously. still together? Yeah, they're still together. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. I thought it was going to be like, no, they're still together. <laughs> no, they're still together. Um, they've been together for, you know, longer than I've been alive. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, they we even, they even had another kid here that he's lucky enough to be a U.S. citizen. Wow. Um, they're both entrepreneurs. Um, we, yeah, my parents fortunately have done very, very well for themselves Good. and they have taught me so many things related to entrepreneurship. I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I haven't had to have a regular job for a while. And the reason was that was because they were immigrants. They didn't have legal status. They couldn't go, you know, find a job. It was really difficult. And the jobs that they did find was for $5 an hour working seven days a week. When I came here and I had my first surgery, um, they had to work for almost two years straight, seven days a week, so that they can take a whole week off for my first surgery, which was honestly was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to go through. Wow. Um, it was very extremely painful. And those are my earliest memories, like just surgery after surgery and just, you know, being in a wheelchair and having all these 
watching all these kids play and have fun. And I was just like, man, like it wasn't that I wasn't grateful, but at the time you have to understand I was 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're now angry. I'm grateful. You're angry at the time. Yeah. It's okay to be angry at the world. You know what I mean? It's okay to be a kid who had to cross the border, no status. And on top of that, you know, you, you have the added of these health issues. You know what I mean? Like something that a lot of, I've, I've never actually heard these kinds of stories before. You know what I mean? The, the narrative of people crossing the street are always these able body, you know, 22 year old men who are, you know, doing triathlons, but you don't, you don't see the picture of people who are like coming here for health reasons and, and, you know, for these kinds of things, this is another part of it you never see. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Uh, I've told people my story before and, you know, they're like in shock. Like, do you really like had to go through all of that? Yeah, I did. But, you know, thanks to all of that, I am here now and yeah. I was able to go to college and I'm um, still have to finish my, my, my degree, my bachelor's, but you know, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm grateful, but you know, I struggled a lot and I had a really, really difficult time. Yeah. You know, when I was in high school learning that I didn't have, you know, status, that there was no way I was going to be able to go to college, that crushed me because I was an honor roll student throughout my entire life here. And once I learned that, I went down a bad path. Really? You know, I was like, why? Why do I even try? And yeah. I I dropped out of, out of high school and I started cleaning houses. Wow. And wow, then my dad, to... it was it's crazy. I know I had to I had the same like snap of like because I actually found that like the the second half of my senior year that like I was like undocumented like I had like I had like rumblings from the family like things are happening but I didn't really know until like the second half and I was the same thing I was like you know good grades I was in medical programs I was I was gonna get a scholarship to get to go to St John's University in New York City and wow. when I found out that I was like undocumented I couldn't get a scholarship like my last senior year like. I'm a pretty smart dude. I actually did all the math and realized nice. what's the least amount of work I need to do to pass. And that's what I did. My teachers were so mad. They're like, yo, you were passing stuff for like 90 and hundred. Why are you getting 65s? I'm like, cause all I need is two sixty-five to pass your bullshit class. And I can never go to college. Exactly. Like, literally, I literally just got fucking pissed off. I was lucky enough. I at least got my high school diploma, but the, the, the no, finishing yeah. on top, I was like, fuck that shit. If I'm not going to college, why am I going to finish? on Why? Top? Huh? What's the point? Right. The point. Um, yeah, no, I dropped out. I actually, you know, here in the, um, name of honesty and transparency i i you know i started doing drugs and alcohol at a very young age also due to the fact that i was fed narcotics from a very young age I'm gonna say that, yeah. and so you know by that time i was like why wow. you know and, and i did that and and um after cleaning houses for like fucking seven years i'm sorry i started no custom no fuck that shit we're fucking fuck oh, okay. that you curse all the fuck you want <laughs> Oh fuck my what God, they did yes. to you, fuck what you're going through, no, fuck yeah. all this shit. Fuck no, seriously. This. No, yeah. I was angry, man. Yes. And, and I, I had to fucking do, you know, work cleaning houses with my disability. And it was hard. So yes. freaking hard. And my mom is a perfectionist. And she wouldn't tell me, you can't do this. She'd tell me, you can do this even better than anybody else. Uh, okay, don't she never stopped me and never gave me an excuse. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't give it to myself. Mm-hmm. And and so you know, by the time I was nineteen, I was managing three, four ladies. Wow, you had your own little houses. business going, yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> wow. So thanks to her being so tough on me, I was able to do that and learn entrepreneurial skills. Right. And so I, by that time, when I don't know if you remember when the DACA program came out, I think it was in twenty twelve. 
2008, I believe. Two, eight really? or 12. Okay. No, you're right. It was 12. It was 12 because I was just about to get married. And because this is the kind of joke I used to have this joke where I was like, <laughs> literally, literally, DACA came out like two months after I got engaged. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Like, literally, I just got engaged because I needed papers. And it was a whole, I was very, oh, I was very yeah. traumatized when I was young and just trying to find someone. And the marriage didn't work out and it's all gone to shit. And I'm like, God, if, if Obama had just been, done this two months earlier, I would have never gotten engaged. <laughs> no, I, that. Yeah. I feel you. No, no. I was like, my mom told me, she's like, hey, they're about to do this DACA thing. You really yeah. should get your GED. And I went and I did it in two months. I got my GED in two months. I was like, all right, hell yeah. Oh, because so, you can apply for DACA unless you have like a high school or GED. Unless you have, yeah, or a GED, which is equivalent to a high school diploma. Wow. I didn't know. They so, put the, yeah, that's why they they wanted you to be the best of the best. Of you know? course, to have a future, to have a you know, whatever, quote unquote. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I got a GED and I actually applied for college classes and I got straight A's the first semester and I was like, wow. I can do this. Like I everything I learned and everything you know from being an honor roll student my entire basically life. Like I was like, I can actually do this. And I remember my my it took a while for it to get here. Yeah, my DACA uh, thingy. And mm -hmm. so the first semester I went to college, I actually paid 20 grand because I didn't apply for any goddamn nothing, yeah. nothing because of my legal status. I was working three jobs and my mom was working, you know, as her company and I was working at Pizza Hut, I was cleaning houses like. And this is because um, in Arizona, you had to pay out of state tuition because this is in Colorado. Yeah. In Colorado, you have Colorado. to pay out of state tuition. Yes. If, you, if you're like that, that's one of the things that are changing recently. It's like if you're undocumented, you could actually pay in-state tuition if you grew up there. Because right now yeah. they make undocumented people pay out out of, out state, of state tuition, mm -hmm. even though they they grew up in yes, in that absolutely, yeah. But so I wait, wanted you it came so you went bad. To Colorado? Yeah, I'm I in Colorado. You, oh, okay. I thought I thought you said when you when you crossed it, you went. To yeah, Arizona when I crossed, first. I was in Arizona, and then my dad was in Colorado. So even oh. like after we actually made it to Arizona, we still had to come all the way to Colorado. Oh, and that's where you grew up, was in Colorado. And that's where I grew up. This oh, okay, is my gotcha. home. You grew up in Colorado. Yeah. yeah, it's home. That's home now. Yeah, New York City's it's my home. home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, um, yeah, that's that's so basically you, how it was. So, like, going back real quick, like yeah. you said that when you first had your first surgery, your parents worked like every day for two years. Yes. Just to be able. This was this was all for them to save up to do a surgery. Like, so your yes. first. Your first situation, everything was out of pocket. Like your parents pay for everything. No, so were... it was it was not out of pocket. Well, what happened is that they worked for uh, for Chinese people, and mm -hmm. they didn't allow them to take a day off unless they had unless they worked like ahead. You know what I mean? Like unless mm -hmm. they're like, okay, you're gonna have you know two weeks off, but you're gonna have to work like crazy. Like you know, back then. They were not like now that, oh, you don't have, you don't, you don't, you don't have to work this much a time or you don't, there was a lot of taking advantage of immigrants mm -hmm. back then. They were talking about mm -hmm. 1997, 1998. Yeah. And so that, um, that's why they had to basically save up. So it wasn't like out of pocket, but it wasn't completely free. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? And so they had to save yeah. up for that. And then for the fact that they were not going to work for, for two, three weeks trying to take care of me, mm -hmm. this was a major surgery. Yeah. Um, because this was on yeah. your on your spine on my legs so on it was on both of my legs uh they basically cut my ligaments from my uh, my uh, thigh and then the back of my legs and then the back of my ankles mm. i don't know what they're called but yeah, i was really young but yeah they cut that so that i can grow because i wasn't growing either and i used to walk on my tippy toes due oh, to wow. my disability 
so I could only walk a few steps. After my surgery, I was able to put my foot straight like this, like, you know, because I yeah. wasn't able to do that. I would just all walk on my tippy toes. Wow. So they had to el elongate my tendons and ligaments. Whoa. And, so they and literally like, cut it <laughs> and, like, stretched. And like, was, this, it was, was, was this all ex experimental at the time? Because you are saying, like, it wasn't really... No, so what was experimental in Mexico was the Botox. The mus Botox are muscle relaxants oh, okay. for your legs, and that was experimental then in Mexico at the time. And even okay. though my parents were professionals, they still could not afford it. It was every six months. Yeah. But it was in dollars. They had to pay in dollars, even though we were in Mexico. Because yeah. um, I remember when I was in New York City and I was a kid, they gave us health care until I was 18. Is that is that sort of Is that like a nationwide thing where, like, uh, even if you're undocumented, you can you can get healthcare because I know we can go to school. You know, we can go to public school. We can pretty much access all of the the benefits up until we're 18. So later on, what they got was the CHPG program here in mm -hmm. Colorado. And the first time I got a, I got my surgery was through Shriners, I believe. No, that was my second surgery. The first one I think was through um, Children's Hospital. Okay. Yeah. Wow, you went through, through the, you went through the system, the Shriners and all that stuff. I went through thing. everything. Wow, you like... you should have been in those commercials. Like I, I should have. <laughs> Please don't eat the Shriners. Look at Perla. She's doing it. Yeah. yeah. So what but, about um... like so your parents, like, did they ever like were able to, to fix their status? Because I know you you raised yes. the are you saying? So my dad is actually a resident on his way to become a citizen right now. So he's waiting to take his test. And my mom is also like uh, fixing her papers through my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm DACA. And so I, I was able to to get my uh, residency through my father, but I made the mistake of marrying an, also an illegal alien. <laughs> <laughs> because I was love. love. It's love. Oh, it's love. I know. <laughs> oh, oh my God, like, you remind me so much of my sister. <laughs> Like, oh, I was like, don't sister. marry, don't get married. You can have a child and have a family. You don't need the paper. And I was like, but he's the love of my life, mom. Oh, you don't my understand. Gosh. How long were you married? Uh, three years. Three years, yeah. <laughs> I'm divorced now, like four years already. <laughs> no offense, but like my sister, uh, my sister's also uh, disabled and has issues. And mm. she also married somebody who's undocumented and she's DACA. <laughs> so my mom's like, pa que coño, pa que. Like, and See? I'm like, mom, they're in love. Like, leave them alone. For 10 years, now. well, actually, no longer. My niece is 18. They've been together for almost 20 years at this point. My mom's still like, Coño, so está con él. Es I'm like, shut up. I think it's working. Well, they worked out. You know, you know, you know. Yeah. No, para que me divorciara four years later. Oh, no, well, three so years you, later. Three years later. So you actually, like, you got your DACA, man, and, and you, you, you went right for it. Like, oh, yeah. College and everything. So you. Mm -hmm. Your first semester, you wound up paying straight up cash, but then mm -hmm. like you wound up. My second semester, for... then I, my logger, my DACA status got here, yeah. and then I was like, "Yes, I can play in-state tuition." And so yeah. at that time, then I went to Metro State and I studied psychology, and I wanted to be, I wanted to get a doctorate in psychology. That was my mm -hmm. goal. That was my plan. But then I kind of hice las cuentas de how much I had to pay and to mm -hmm. get a doctorate. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford this. So let's switch up career majors. So yeah, I went yeah. I went for marketing after that. Yeah, so that's like, hilarious. Yeah. I, also, I also tried to go to community college to be like a nurse. And I was like, yo, this is hella expensive. And they're like, you could be an administrative assistant. I'm like, that's way cheaper. <laughs> so I got yeah. my I got my associates in administrative <laughs> assistant. So I just needed a degree. Yeah, yeah. Point. What'd you say you get it in? You got it in marketing. I went to marketing. marketing. Oh, you yeah. got your you got your associates, and now you're going for your bachelor's. 
Yeah, so I didn't, so I didn't go for my associate. So I have like, I'm a junior already. So I went straight to Metro. I oh. went straight for the four year, oh, okay. which it's I should have gone for my associates, but I did not because I was like, I can do this. I didn't count with the fact that I was going to struggle with addiction. The fact that I was going to get married, have a kid, get divorced, go through the depression. Like I didn't. And then my sister-in-law died at a very young age. She was 28 years old. She had colon cancer. Oh. That was really traumatizing as well. So it's just life hits you really, really hard. And the least thing that you think is about going back to school. Yeah. Yeah. And finishing yeah. school. Wow, you're really and, strong yeah. for, for how did, for coming out of your addiction, everything was that like, was your parents was like hard. everybody had an inter intervention with you? No. So this is, this is, this is crazy. My dad has actually been in recovery for I think uh, 32 years, 30 mm. years. Yeah, so he is a, a recovering alcoholic and he's been sober for 30 years. Okay. So um, he always looked at me, but the thing is like when you're in recovery, you can't really tell someone to go to recovery because it has to be on their own free will. Right, right. So he had to wait for a very long time until I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done mm -hmm. destroying myself. I want to do something better. I can do something better. It got to a level of suffering that I didn't no longer wanted to be alive. And like, and it's really hard for me to accept that because the whole reason why I'm here was because my parents loved me so much and they wanted me to be the best and have the best opportunity only so I could self-destroy myself. Like, you know, like but that, later you know, on, like you know, that's hard. Definitely be kind on yourself, you know, because yeah, you're a kid who had to go through a lot. You know, I, I'm, I'm right now at the point where I have to be kind to my younger self. You know what I mean? And be like, yo, you made all these mistakes because you were undocumented, and you know, you didn't know all like, like this trauma like makes your body like vibrate. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it isn't no, until yeah. like until like you're safe that you can finally be like, yo, why was I so tense for so long? Like, what was it that was making me like? And and you know, I feel for you because you were saying you know you had to take these meds when you were young. Right. And then you they stopped giving them to you. Right. Good mm -hmm. once at a certain point. And then that's where, you know, like everybody else, like you hear these cases, once those meds run out, people turn to other things to subside the pain. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yours was more than just physical, yours was psychological as well. And emotional. You and, your family, and emotional mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, can't 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 blame you. But the fact that you came out of it is very powerful. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. Um having my daughter, she's now five. Uh, it really helped me out a lot. Um, yeah. She is my little rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those kids, those kids will do that. They'll, they'll give you a different perspective on life. For sure. It wasn't just about me anymore. And yeah. um, I was like, I can do this. My daughter deserves so much better. And, you know, I didn't grow up with, with a dad in active addiction. He had gone into recovery when I was, you know, very, mm. very, very young. Um, I think I was like two or three at the time. Uh, I'm 34. So around there somewhere. You guys were back in Mexico. Man, we're the same We're back age. in Mexico. We're <laughs> we're the same age we're going through the same thing man like that's what that's what's crazy about like when i talk to other like undocumented people who are like 34 35 it's like our lives are like echoes like they parallel each other so much i'm like oh you didn't find that till you were 18 either oh you, you you were depressed in your 20s oh you had a hard time finding love it's like yeah they fuck us over man they really do yeah. oh man it was just a lot of trauma and it, like it just keeps piling on and you're so young and coming from a Latino culture, parents don't believe in therapy, they don't believe in in mental yeah. health. Like it's true. I like, you know, um, I when I was 19, I went to a psychiatrist because I I wanted to unalive myself. Mm -hmm. And um, they told me I was bipolar. And my oh. mom was like, That does not exist. Please don't take this medication. <laughs> yeah. 
my, yo, my mom, I laugh at my mom all the time. My mom, my whole life, tu ta loco, tu ta loco, tu eres un loco. And then one time I go, hey, mom, I should go to a, a therapist. She's like, tu no eres loco. ¿Qué te pasa? Tu no eres loco. I'm like, you told me my whole life que soy loco, soy loco. I want to go to a therapist. Tu no eres loco. ¿Qué te pasa? ¿Qué te digo que tu estás loco? Tu mujer. You, my whole life, told me I'm loco. Exactly. No, a mí también me dicen la loca aquí. Y when I finally accept it, I'm like, hey, mom, you know, I should probably deal with this. It's like, ¿eso no existe? You just need yeah. to work out and, and have a routine. And I'm like, okay. Have you tried using the bathroom? Like, no, mom, it's not, it's not problem. It's depression. Oh. Have you tried Vix? You know, Have you tried Vix? Ponte un Vix en la cabeza a ver si te compones. Oh my God! This is why we. This is why, yo, our our community has has a great sense of humor, man. Because we gotta laugh at the shit, or else like we do. Fucking crush us. Seriously, I would still be depressed as hell, man. If I if I didn't like share in some kind of humorous way, to be honest, like. Yeah, people. You know, I started comedy when I was 18, in New York City, and I didn't realize how much of a lifesaver it was. You know, because whenever something like traumatic would happen to me, you know, or I couldn't like you know go for something or, or travel or something. I was just like, you know, pen and paper, put it down, make a joke, say it on stage and have people laugh. It made me feel like, okay, it's not that serious. You know, like, yes, yeah, serious, but at least there's something here that I can laugh about. And, and this is my way of healing, you know? So that's, yeah. yeah, that, 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 I didn't know how much doing comedy really saved me. No, seriously. I make fun of my situation all the time. I remember uh, this summer there was like, <laughs> I was outside in the porch with my friends and I thought it was a tornado. I was like, dude, there is a tornado coming. Like I literally see it. Like we all saw it, but I, I, apparently it was not that serious. <laughs> but I was like, we should probably go inside. And um, she's like, well, let's just wait. And I'm like, are you serious? It'll take me 15 minutes to cross the street. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's how I get there. <laughs> you like, have I'm to dead. know danger 15 minutes more than <laughs> earlier than anybody else. Yeah, because yeah. like I won't make it, girl. I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> oh my god. I love it. I love it. I love how you're like, yeah, that's danger way further than you can notice. Like, yeah. I gotta see it. It's like that the people who can see the perips, like, oh I can see that shit. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I better like, start you know, running. I better start making my way out of this because Jesus. Oh my god. <sighs> Let me ask you this, because now at this point, what you've had DACA, I would I would guess maybe 12 years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find that a lot of people are starting to have frustrations with DACA, especially with everything mm -hmm. that's happening in the courts oh, and everything. God, yes. How do you feel about DACA and every two fucking just the whole thing about it? How do you it's feel? It's so annoying, to be honest, because I've never been in trouble. I don't know. I don't even think I've even had a parking ticket, to be honest. Yeah. I've stayed out of trouble and I've done things right to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. And it sucks that, you know, my little brother and my, my, my little brother is also in recovery and my dad's on recovery. Van a ir al Congreso. They're in double A. Estamos en doble A. I know they're anonymity and whatever, da, 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 whatever. They can screw me over later. Uh, <laughs> good for y'all. Anonymously good for y'all. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, they're going to go to Cancun on Sunday to go, you know, and celebrate the whole recovery thing with like so many addicts and and all this stuff and i i can't go yeah. and it sucks and it makes me angry i'm like damn man i'm like maybe i should have listened to my mom i should have got married to someone else you know after i got divorced but to be honest like i'm very happily single so i was like i'm not willing to sacrifice yeah no and and you know not to like not to not to you know be so negative but you hear stories of of the women being unalived because they had to get married for papers. And that is another real fear in our community. You know, the, the femicide that happens to immigrant women, you know, 
who either marry for papers or they come here on like work visas to be like domestic workers. You know, these are this, it's very dangerous. The immigration system is 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 terrible, but it's especially harmful for women because there's just so much abuse against their own lives because of it. So that's why I'm like, I'm so happy that you were able to get DACA. And I know it's not maybe the best thing, but at mm -hmm. least you were able to like live your life and, you know, like you said, single and, and figure yeah. it out for yourself. And yeah, now a little bit more straightforward can see a good partner who happens to be a citizen. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully I'm going to, I'm going to just wait on that. You know, I'm just, I'm doing my own thing and um, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm doing well and I want to finish my degree and you can't, there is no time. You know, a relationship requires so much work mm -hmm. and so much time and you have to put other people's needs and, and emotions before yours and all this bullshit. To be honest, I'm not having it. I'm just yeah. not going to do that. I already sacrificed enough in so many relationships and it didn't work out. And, you know, I was abused in so many ways and, and I don't want to deal with it anymore. And I still have even that trauma, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, I'll share a little bit. I am actually just coming out of an um, an eight year relationship that uh, I just found out was not great for me. So I, mm -hmm. I understand exactly exactly what you mean. Uh, I had to go through a lot of therapy, and especially you know yeah. what it is. I think maybe children of immigrant we want to be big pleasers, especially you know mm -hmm. when you know so much people have sacrificed for us, and also like you know our parent like my my dad's a narcissist, so like you know always throwing shit in my face and everything you know he was he was very good at making me feel guilty about you know the sacrifices that people make for me uh so i've i unfortunately found somebody who was very good at weaponizing that kind of stuff and literally like really 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 like making me feel terrible about myself for like for years because i wanted to just people please and my therapist really helped me figure out like no this has a lot to do with like you the way you grew up undocumented and just wanted to be like loved and just wanted to be accepted and afraid that like you could be ripped away from anything so you look for bonds with people that unfortunately were toxic for you because they you know so yeah so this kind of immigration stuff really does mess with like a lot of how you oh, view yeah. relationships you yeah know? absolutely and culture and everything like living mm -hmm. you know outside of where you grew where you were born and having to come up here and it's just it's all really really hard um and yeah i don't know i just especially like seeing my parents together forever and going through mm -hmm. all of that and as a latina women like you feel like you have to go through all of this and you have to sacrifice for the greater good and to keep the family together and all this bullshit misogynistic Oof. shit that we grew up with and it's yeah. it's bullshit and no one should have to put up with anything yeah. and that's how i really feel yeah you know i we already went through so much growing up we don't have to keep putting up with anybody or anything and you know now that we're adults yeah and that's why i wish that like you know i'm, I'm fighting really hard with uh with this organization called chidla <clears throat> to to pass what what congress used to pass for a long time for white people which was a naturalization act you know like that uh if you already been here 10 years you could just naturalize this is the wow. way white yeah this is actually there's something a part of history that i'm actually learning more about like basically since 1776 like every two years the Congress, without anybody even asking them for it, would create the Naturalization Act of nine of seventeen ninety seven, seventeen whatever. And it was like, hey, if you're white and you've been here six years, you can become a U.S. citizen. No need to show anything. And they did this almost every year until nineteen sixty five, which became the first time that people of color could become U.S. citizens. Wow. Since Martin Luther King. And since nineteen sixty five, for some reason, white people forgot that every year they used to update the registry so they can let you know 
white people become citizens if they've just been here for years. So that's the thing where like we're fighting to get this registry brought back because it hasn't been updated since 1960. Right now, if you came in before 1972, you could become a U.S. citizen automatically. But wow. if the registry is updated, 2010 will be the new year. Anybody who's here before 2010 can have a pathway to citizenship automatically. So this is what I'm fighting for, for people like you, that I don't want you to have to get married. I don't yeah. want you to have to do this. I want you to be like, I've been here 10 years. I have my business. I have my college degree. Give me my fucking shit. All Seriously, right? because I've been paying taxes forever. And exactly. when you're when when you're like, have your own business and have your own shit going on, you pay more yeah. than, than other people. Mm -hmm. my and and my stuff that's mm -hmm. you know uh, undocumented and he 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 just put down sixty thousand dollars for a house that's how mm -hmm. hard he like you know what i mean like when you're a u.s citizen they'd be like oh it's three percent when you're yeah. undocumented it's like mm -hmm. no sixty thousand dollars like that's nah, not even three percent that's like you, you want me to pay like you know half. I was like <laughs> yeah half yeah i was like oh, you want me to pay almost mm -hmm. half of this shit mm -hmm. that, that's how much they fuck you over when you don't have papers oh yeah no seriously it's hard man it is really really hard my parents got really lucky yeah. um that they had latino brokerage when they okay. bought this house in 19 so two years after we came here they bought a house so right. they worked so hard the yeah. house that we have now and it's actually like still a little huh still the same spot yeah it's so big and so right now awesome. we uh we actually rent uh, a part of it an airbnb and it actually like pays way more than our rent so like it is really good business so, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're probably gonna wrap up in like like three or four minutes because I, I got another interview to get to but i wanted to like before we go yeah. uh what are the kind of businesses you're doing and, and, and what kind of stuff are, have you been working on since like you know what's your entrepreneurship right now so i'm a real estate agent okay. i do hair uh hair extensions braids makeup i do photography i do taxes <laughs> I run this Airbnb. Um, uh, yeah, that's basically so like five or six hustles that I have simultaneously. Ah, I said it wrong. But simultaneously, you know what I mean. don't worry. I got you. Yeah. I'm not the kind of dick. <laughs> like, like, simultaneously. No, yeah, and I went to college, but <laughs> excuse that. <laughs> Listen, destroy the country and destroy the language. Like, where can people find like all your work? Because you have so much stuff going on. So people want to hire you for like taxes, or they want to hire you for hair, or they want to hire you for real estate. Where can we? So find on social media, uh, on my Facebook is Perla Nava. So y'all okay. can find me there. Let's forty Barbie on TikTok, uh, on Instagram, on yeah, basically Beauty by Perla. I also have my beauty pages. So um, yeah, that's basically where y'all can find me. Mostly on Facebook. Um, I I'm still old school. Yeah. Find <laughs> <laughs> me on MySpace. I have a, I I have a fiber. <laughs> you can call my best friends on MySpace. Yeah. I don't remember that. That was funny. Oh my god. Anyway, like, top eight, man. That was that was a shit. And then, by the way, I'm like the same as you. I'm the same as you. Like, like people, what do you do? It's like, man, I'm a TikToker. I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm a writer. Um, you know, I'm a host. Like when you're when you're Latino, man, you don't know what people are looking for. So you're like, I need a job. I need to do ten things just in case you're looking for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do marketing online. So I didn't even go to school for marketing. But I, I I can do marketing. You know what I mean? I can do it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm also I'm trying to get into digital marketing. Yeah, see. <laughs> trying to use my degree and I haven't finished it, but I learned it. You know, I'm already in my last year, so I learned quite a bit. So you're in your last year now, right? So good luck. Yeah, with that. I'm in my last year. Hopefully, you know, nothing comes up and everything's good. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep trying. Even if it takes me ten years to graduate, man, I'm gonna get it. 
uh, you're, you're gonna make it and, and i'm 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 gonna keep following you i'm gonna keep following your journey and please uh everybody's watching this follow perla and follow her journey because uh what an what an amazing uh individual seriously it was an honor talking to you i only Thank got to you. see the little picture on your on your tiktok <laughs> and some of the stuff you put up but to actually get to know you and and talk to you is amazing uh i'm gonna try to do shows out in colorado like i'm trying to do like, yes theaters. So if I'm out there, I'm gonna let you know where I'm at in Colorado. So so for sure, my brother has a a studio, so we can do the podcast there. He's a producer. Oh my gosh, yeah! Look at that. I already have friends. I can I can. I, Jesse, you're fired. I'm moving to Colorado <laughs> and doing my documentary out of Colorado. <laughs> well, uh, oh, thank you so yeah, much. You absolutely. Have a good rest of your day. All right. You too. Bye. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for being on. Bye. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.